morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Monday, May 2nd. 911 operators and prosecuting hate crimes. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. The Navy said Friday that Commander Jared Severson is no longer leading the Naval Submarine Training Facility in San Diego. The Navy cited a loss of confidence in his ability to command based on the findings of an investigation. No details were disclosed regarding the investigation. The Navy says Severson has been reassigned to a submarine squadron. The facility's executive officer, Commander Chris Lindahl, has assumed command of the sub-training facility. The facility is located at Naval Base Point Loma. It provides training for submarine and surface sailors. The San Diego County Sheriff's Department held a weapons collection event in Encinitas yesterday. It's called Guns for Gift Cards. A total of 162 unwanted firearms were turned in. Participants got $100 in gift cards for handguns and rifles and $200 for assault weapons. The Sheriff's Department says if any guns collected are found to be stolen, the original owners will be contacted. The rest are destroyed. The OC Marathon took place Sunday, returning for the first time in person since 2019. Dylan Marks of Lemon Grove placed second in the men's division. He previously ran for two years at San Diego Mesa College. The race's 15 charity partners were expected to raise a total of $500,000 through the event. That's according to race publicist Dan Cruz. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hey, 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 this is Parker Edison, host of the Parker Edison Project on KPBS. The cool thing about joining KPBS is you make one simple donation, and that money ripples into supporting everything else you see and hear on KPBS including podcasts like this one you're listening to right now, making a place for fresh voices and perspectives to be heard. And that's music to my ears. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click that blue Give Now button, and donate what you can. All right? Thanks. Hate incidents are on the rise in San Diego, yet they continue to be difficult to prosecute. KPBS race and equity reporter Christina Kim found that 911 dispatchers can help make a hate crime case. And a warning, the following story uses 911 tape discussing violence and hatred. San Diego Police Emergency, this is Celia. Hey there, um, there are some guys beating up on gay guys in the Balboa Park. That's a 911 call placed in 2006 from just outside Balboa Park on the second night of San Diego's Pride Festival. And the people are screaming for help. Do they have any weapons? It sounds like they have baseball bats or something because I can hear them hitting them with something. When three people brutally attack six men, leaving one with severe head injuries while yelling homophobic slurs. And they're saying, like, anti-gay stuff. The attackers, including a minor, were ultimately charged with hate crimes. The recorded 911 call served as key evidence for prosecutors who needed to show hate motivated the attacks. 
which is why more than 15 years later, Deputy District Attorney Abigail Dillon is playing these tapes for over a dozen of San Diego County's 911 dispatchers at a training all about hate crimes. Some of you might be thinking, like, what does this have to do with me? Why am I listening to this boring lady talk about this very niche area of the law, right? Who cares? Um, we're dispatchers. We have a different role to play. But Dylan says the role dispatchers play is very important in collecting evidence for hate crimes. The details that a dispatcher is able to get from someone who is on scene witnessing it as it happened or the victim of the crime itself um, or even the suspect, um, I can't emphasize enough how important that information gathering can be and how critical that evidence can be, especially in hate crime cases. In San Diego City alone, hate crimes increased by 77 percent in 2021 from the previous year, according to the police department. But even though the district attorney's office received around 300 reports of hate crimes, they only prosecuted 30 cases. Dylan says hate crimes are very difficult to prosecute. It requires us to prove that the perpetrator's act was motivated in whole or in part because of a bias. And that's why Dylan trains 911 dispatchers, because the questions they ask can be pivotal in proving bias. We want dispatchers to be aware of kind of the difficulties of what we have to prove for purposes of hate crimes, um, what's required, um, so that that's in the back of their mind as they're asking for additional details from witnesses or victims or suspects who call 911. She plays 911 calls to show the kinds of questions they can ask, like in the attack at Pride, when the caller said the attackers were saying anti-gay slurs. Dispatchers can also ask whether anyone was displaying any known hate symbols or even get details from suspects. You said that you what? I just shot up a synagogue. I'm defending my country. I'm in my car. You can come get me. I will not shoot you. That's what the dispatcher did when talking to the man who shot four people at a Poway synagogue in 2019. He got his motive. Why'd you do it? Because the Jewish people are destroying the white race. They have been for a long time, and no one's doing anything about it. Something has to be done. Christina Newton is a first-year 911 dispatcher for the San Diego Sheriff's Department. After going through the training, she says she's thinking about her job differently. I'll be asking a lot more follow-up questions, a lot more clarifying questions, um, just trying to determine if there are other types of crimes within some of our more standard calls. She says it was good to hear she can help hate crime prosecution. It's this kind of crime that you think people don't get charged for. Or, you know, victims don't get justice in a way. So it was nice to hear that there are ways to do that. Dylan says prosecuting more hate crimes is an integral part of how the region must address growing hate. I think that by prosecuting hate crimes, we in turn are sending a message that this is not acceptable. So she's making sure dispatchers are ready every time they answer a call. Christina Kim, KPBS News. About 35 people sleep in a homeless encampment on Magnolia Avenue in East County. It's been there on and off for at least three years. The camp borders multiple jurisdictions from the unincorporated county where it is now to El Cajon and even Santee. KPBS reporter Matt Hoffman has more. 
Supervisor Joel Anderson is putting together a plan to have the county work together with El Cajon and Santee to help get people into housing. Just in recent weeks, county efforts have resulted in about 60 people finding some type of housing that's largely through hotel vouchers. Anderson says working together will take more time, but says it's a more permanent solution. Now, will some people still keep moving? Of course they will. But if El Cajon is out here with us, if Santee's out here with us and we're a united front, then we're going to solve it. Supervisor Anderson's plan requires buy-in from nearby cities. Some are asking why the county can't just clear people out of this area. Officials point to case law that says they can't criminalize homelessness without first providing shelter options. And there are a very limited number of shelter beds in this area. The county is making money available to try and make more of them. And that was KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman. The county says they'll continue to have staff visit the encampment to offer hygiene kits and to help connect people with resources like CalFresh. They say they'll also continue to do cleanups in the area. San Diego public transit projects are getting nearly $14 million from the federal government. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen says that's due to a return of congressional earmarks. Earmarks are when members of Congress give a project or program money as part of a larger spending bill. They returned this year after being banned for more than a decade. Among the local earmarks, $10 million to help stabilize the Del Mar Bluffs and plan for moving the coaster track inland. Colleen Clemenson of the regional planning agency Sandag says it's a fraction of the project's total cost. Hopefully we'll have some local funds to put toward that. We'll be looking for their state funds as well on all of these projects. But this is like a down payment on, on what needs to be done here. Congress approved just under 5,000 earmarks totaling $9 billion in the spending bill approved last month. Andrew Bowen, KPBS News. A trial in the nearly decade-long Navy corruption case was sidelined for a week over missteps by prosecutors. KPBS military reporter Steve Walsh says the judge plans to get proceedings back on track. It's often dubbed the Fat Leonard Probe after the nickname of the Malaysian contractor Leonard Francis, who has already been convicted of bribing dozens of Navy officials. After nine weeks, the case was stalled for a week while Judge Janice San Marantino looked at whether prosecutors improperly withheld evidence from the defense. Rachel Van Landingham is a law professor at L.A.'s Southwestern Law School. I would be highly surprised uh, to see a, a mistrial ensue from this because, again, the, the, the judge has a chance to fashion appropriate remedy that falls short of a mistrial. Van Landingham says the judge could limit the testimony of future witnesses. The last five former naval officers implicated in the probe are on trial in the case that began in 2013, when Leonard was arrested in San Diego and charged with bilking the Navy out of millions. Steve Walsh, KPBS News. Coming up, child care providers in San Diego are struggling to make money, worsening an already tough situation. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break.
Hello, podcast listener. Full disclosure, I'm going to make some assumptions about you. This probably isn't the only podcast you enjoy. Blink if I'm right. (laughs) It's probably not the only thing you watch or listen to on KPBS either. If I'm right about that, then I'm guessing you make it a point to check in on a regular basis to see what's new, take in the latest and greatest, and then you go back to your daily life until we happily come together again. We're sort of like a virtual buffet. When you're hungry for information and entertainment, you go to KPBS and want to eat, uh, consume all you can, right? Well, you should know that when you become a member of KPBS, you're keeping the entire TV, radio, and online trays full of fresh ideas, like the tasty podcast you're enjoying right now. Help feed your appetite for KPBS. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. Thank you. California is helping Tijuana understand where the Mexican city might be having issues with air pollution. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has more. The border city is getting 50 low-cost air pollution monitors thanks to a grant from the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Tijuana officials were interested after U.S. money paid for a similar air quality monitoring effort in Mexicali. The California Air Resources Board's Ryan Atencio says the devices will be connected to Wi-Fi, allowing officials to track pollution in real time. They're looking at places like fire stations and schools and universities, other public institutions. And in terms of geography and location, they're looking at places and uh, areas where they think there will be uh, excess emissions. The U.S. agencies paid for the monitors in Mexico because they say pollution doesn't stop at the border. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. San Diego's already bleak child care landscape could get even worse. KPBS investigative reporter Claire Tregesser says that's because less than a quarter of child care providers are making a profit. Meanwhile, 78 percent of providers are either losing money or just breaking even. The results come from a survey of 900 child care providers done by the nonprofit institute at University of San Diego. Kim McDougall, the executive director of the YMCA Child Care Resource Service, says she was heartbroken to see the results. We are clearly propping up our child care industry on the backs of, of people that are not able to move themselves forward economically, yet they're continuing to, to, to provide this critical service. McDougall says the situation will only become more dire if public money can't be found to help providers at risk of going out of business. Claire Tregesser, KPBS News. Over the weekend, book lovers have been on a joyride across the county as the San Diego book crawl returned in person. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez has more on the event for literary lovers. Eleven independent booksellers from Coronado to Del Mar have their doors open, offering a wide variety of titles and prizes, too. 
COVID killed in-person book sales for almost two years. Now owners are determined to bring back business and remind readers why their shops offer the real deals. The event is coordinated by the Library Foundation of San Diego. Scott Eric Burgess is the public engagement manager. Think back to all the books you love that were recommended to you. How many of those books were recommended by an algorithm versus how many were recommended by a librarian or a bookseller you trust? Banned books are a big draw for crawlers at many of the shops, which are open through the end of business Monday. Follow at SD Book Crawl on Instagram for all the locations. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. And that's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day.